What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's the Apple Bits XL. Brian Song here, your host, doing the most for everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. Welcome, everybody. Hey, it's a big show. It's an exciting show because Apple just wrapped up WWDC 20. At least they wrapped up their keynote. There will be sessions going on uh, through the week. But look, we all have so many reactions and thoughts about everything that happened. Apple's big chip announcement, calling it Apple Silicon. That was huge, and that has huge implications for the future. Every software thing you can think of. So guess what? My man, Rich DeMiro from KTLA, tech reporter out there, he jumps on the show, and we just have kind of this back and forth about everything that we that really stuck out to us at the keynote, and so you'll hear that in a moment. Now, before we get going to that, though, I'm going to flip things around. I would encourage you all to review this podcast. Give it that five-star love, because I know you do. Put on iTunes, put a review out there. It just helps it out on the algorithm. And then also, I want you all to be a part of the show. Guess what? Phone calls, phone calls, baby. All you got to do is actually, it's more of a voice memo. Record a voice memo on your phone and then send it to applebitsshow at gmail.com. That's applebitsshow at gmail.com. That's your name, where you're from, your comments, your questions, your criticisms, your good apples, your bad apples. There's so much that came out of WWDC. I want to hear all about it from you. Also, this is a completely independent show. I'm so grateful for all of your support from all of you. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is the way to do it. It starts at $2 per month, $5 if it's worth a cup of coffee per month for the value that I bring to you. There's a $10, $25, $100 platinum Apple level. I'm so grateful, but this allows me to do what I do. I know times are crazy, but I really do appreciate all your support. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong. Also, get early access to this content. You're going to hear this podcast, I think, roughly two days before I release it publicly. You'll also get, there's benefits and rewards at different levels, plus a completely ad-free version of the show. That means people that are Patreon supporters won't hear a single bit of this. So thanks again for all of your support. All right, let's just jump right into it. I'm not going to waste your time. Here's Rich Demiro and I talking about all things WWDC. All right, WWDC 20 in the books. It's actually still going on, but we got to bring the brains that cover this stuff. Good friend of the show, Rich DeMiro from KTLA in the house, tech reporter. What's up, Rich? Hey, Brian. What's going on? What is good? What is good? So, um, you know, we've had you on the show many times. Love always talking shop. This is kind of our way to catch up with each other. Uh, for people that aren't familiar with some of the work that you do, if you can kind of give them that little boilerplate, you know, this is about Rich. Sure. Well, it's not all about me, but you know, I'll I'll give you the boilerplate. Okay. So I uh, I'm the tech reporter uh, in Los Angeles at KTLA uh, Channel Five. I also my report goes out to a bunch of stations across our uh, you know company, and uh, I also do a podcast, Rich on Tech. I've got Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that stuff at Rich on Tech. This is actually a big deal, Brian. Since the last time I talked to you, mm. I have secured Rich on Tech at Twitter. Uh, before I had a different username, and it, so it was really tough with like social media because you kind of want the same thing across everything. Well, I do just to make it easy, and so now I'm actually rich on tech across all my socials, which is I don't know that was a big deal to me. Wait, wait. So how how did you actually manage that? Because it sounds like someone might have had it, but it was a dummy account. So then you like had to finagle your way to get it. Is that what happened? Yeah. It was a weird thing where I, for some reason when I first registered, they would not let me register that name. Finally, I could register the name, but I had to do a secondary account and then I had to switch <laughs> it over. It was a whole big thing. Uh, but all I have to say is finally I do have it. It took, you know, it was 10 years in the making. <laughs> 
Um, but I didn't want to lose everyone. You know what I mean? I wanted yeah. to make sure I kept everyone because I could have just switched over and lost everyone in the process, which, you know, some people probably would have been happy. <laughs> but, <laughs> Cause you know, there's those people out there that want to unfollow you, but feel bad. Like it really matters, you know, that, but that, that's why there's the mute button, Rich. Exactly. I, I don't think I've ever unfollowed anyone, but i definitely don't see every one of my followers. Oh, I've definitely unfollowed people. <laughs> I feel like there's a the they need the restrict button on Twitter like they have it on Instagram. You know, restrict mm-hmm. on Instagram makes the person feel like they're still a part of it, but you don't see any of their yeah. stuff or nobody else sees their stuff. Yeah, it's that middle ground. But yeah, because block is like really angry when you block someone and they see that. I feel like they just like really st- ugh, mad. But um, I don't know. That hasn't happened to me yet. So, well, you know what? I really I'm really happy for you that this is amazing. I'm really happy for you about this. <laughs> These are these now. Are, can we talk about Apple? Yeah. <laughs> All right, everybody. So WWDC twenty wrapped up. Everyone got to see it. The live stream. Everyone that's listening to this probably at least knows some of the big announcements. So I, what I wanted to do is always have fun with Rich, kind of bounce back and forth of the things that stuck out to us, the things that we liked, maybe the things that we didn't like, or we're like, wait, what happened there? So, Rich, I'm just gonna kind of let you start off, and we'll play a little game of ping pong here. WWDC twenty. What what were your overall feelings and impressions? now that it's all wrapped up? Well, number one, the keynote was was pretty awesome. I yeah. think that Apple has done one of the best jobs I've seen with a virtual keynote. I, I was kind of, can, I was wondering, like, would they do it live? Was it going to be, I mean, I knew there was going to be pre-taped parts. It seemed like the entire thing was pre-taped. I wish they would have done a little bit of it live just to kind of, you know, feel like it was fresh and kind of, um, I don't know, just like, we're doing so many Zoom calls. It's like, why not actually kind of pay homage to that just a little bit and be live, you know, or have everyone on the screen at the same time, Brady Bunch style and say, hey, now we're going to go to this person. I mean, look, they did a great job. The production quality was very nice. Yeah. I, I think it ran a little fast um, because they were really going through stuff like at a clip. I mean, it was a really fast <laughs> kind of uh, presentation. But with that said, my biggest takeaway is everyone's complaining that all this stuff looks just like Android. Oh, we had widgets. We have the app drawer. Uh, we have this, we have that. But the reality is it, and I say this, I feel like I said this the last time we spoke, it doesn't matter until it comes to iOS for iOS users. It's nice that there's widgets on Android, but if you're an iPhone user, you don't have access to them until now. And so, uh, and personally, I think they did a really nice job with the widgets. I yep. feel like in recent years, widgets on Android have been literally nobody, no developers even put any effort into them. I feel like (laughs) it's so true. And, and I feel like with the widgets on iOS, they're going to be really, really nice. I'm thinking number one, a Google search widget, which I can finally have on my home screen. Mm. And I'm, you know, I mean, that's a big deal right there. It's a killer deal. I, I think your points about, you know, this whole Android has had this for years and it is. And when we say years, this hasn't been like three or four years. This has been, at least like, I feel like eight, maybe I don't want to say I, 10, but it's been a long time. I'm pretty sure it was day one on the, yeah. uh, on the, the G one or whatever that thing on was the Google, that the Google, it, uh, G one, the, the, uh, it was an HTC built phone. Yeah. I it was remember. like a T-Mobile T-Mobile exclusive. Yeah. Um, and I'm pretty sure that they had widgets on that device and yes, they've been there forever and they are handy, 
But, you know, the thing about widgets on Android is you put like, here's, <laughs> I mean, I rarely even use the widgets anymore, but like, you know, the sides are not nice and smooth. One developer does it one way, another does it the other way. So one has like these nice rounded edges. The other okay. one is all like weird in different sizes. I mean, Android has been all over the place. It's gotten better in recent years. And don't get me wrong. I love Android. I'm not sitting here bashing it because this is a uh, an Apple podcast. Um, but there are some things that just look beautiful. Like when I saw the widgets on um, iOS, I was like, wow, they do look really, really good. They, they look amazing. You know, like to your point, the widgets on Android, there'll be someone like one of their weather widgets. It'll have like a sun with a cloud, but it doesn't take it takes up like basically eight slots of uh of where icons would be but then visually it really only takes up maybe five and so you have all these weird gaps right and so when you look and i i put actually i never put it on my daily driver but i do have the um iphone 10r and i put the widgets you know the, the beta on it and it's real pretty and i can i took you know again these have been around forever but there's something about that little finish and polish that apple does that it makes it a widget. You know that you're going to probably have at least one or two widgets. And then the fact that you can arrange different pages with different alignments of widgets, it just looks so clean. And yeah, they're just rounded cornered boxes, but they're rounded corner boxes that completely fit into everything that you see. It It is all thematic and it fits inside the theme of iOS. It makes it feel whole. And it just, I was, you know, we all laugh at it, but you knew when you saw it, you're like, oh man, that's that looks awesome. That looks great. Oh yeah. And it's, it's, there also, uh, a portion of it is windows phone, not as much because not as many yeah, people were on that platform, but they did the windows phone had the same idea where no matter what the widgets all sort of, they all fit a grid. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what Apple is going for as well. Whereas on Android things would be in a grid, but you could still be in that grid and it would still be smaller than the grid, which, you know, if you use Android, you know what I'm talking about. Like it just wouldn't fill it. And then they had the thing where you could like resize widgets and make them fit into places where they weren't supposed to. And it's just, a, it's a, it's kind of, it takes a lot to tweak all that stuff. And, you know, anyway, so they did this out of the gate pretty well. And I think that this is, it's almost like a second, um, I don't know what the term is, but it's like it, it really gives all these apps like almost a a, ref, a refresh because you had a, an app that was handy, but you had to go into it and access it and refresh it. But now the fact that you can have that on your home screen or on the secondary page or whatever as a widget is pretty big, like yeah. a, a Google Calendar widget. If you, you know, right now, if you I've got Google Calendar and Apple Calendar and it's like, well, if I can just have my Google Calendar widget, mm. that kind of makes, you know, it makes life a little bit easier. You jump right into it. You can see kind of that that surface data or information and you don't have to like bury that app and go into that and see everything, just that top of mind stuff. And yeah, I I have a Google a Google calendar and a personal calendar on my Apple one. They're, they're kind of separate and I've never had a place where it was just easy to see both of them. And now with this widget thing, to your point, it's going to be easy like that. Yeah. And that just goes, I mean, if you just look at every app on your home screen and imagine, okay, this could be useful, that could be useful. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's some stuff will not be useful. I mean, it's probably just easier to tap into Twitter than to see like a widget of what's happening on Twitter. But you know, there, I think that developers will have a lot of fun with this. It's something that's, I, I mean, personally, I want the weather on my home screen. I want the time, like a clock. I, I just want, you know, some things that are just basic that, um, 
kind of give me that Android iOS experience. <laughs> yeah, it's it's gonna it's gonna be really nice. Um, I mean, it is already nice. I've been goofing around with it some. The other thing is that you talk about these widgets. I feel like, and they didn't directly allude to it, but I, I have to imagine the Apple Watch might have helped be a little bit of inspiration because you know you had these complications on your watch. You had all these data points, and they made the Apple Watch and WatchOS even cooler by how you can really super customize a watch face which with these different widgets from apps but i've got to imagine they saw i mean i that was one of the things i loved about the apple watch right quick access to these little data points from different apps and apple you know they see all these things and how people interact with their devices and that had to have been a a learning point that they said okay now let's really do it for ios and pull from some of the knowledge that we have and we see this all the time and yeah it takes them a long time but they really they do tend to really wait it out and make sure all the ducks are in a row and now we're going to do it and i i would absolutely agree with you the widgets thing was a huge highlight for me too yeah and i agree with the uh, the apple watch i you know it, we don't apple doesn't like to talk about this because they're so big into privacy but they are monitoring how you use your phone how you swipe the amount of times you tap uh, a widget in the today view on the iPhone or a widget on your Apple Watch. I mean, they know all of this data and you're absolutely right. Like for instance, I've got the workout widget on my um, Apple Watch and you know, the complication rather. And when I tap that, you know, it's just so much easier to go Mm -hmm. directly into that. And it takes a little bit to set it up and to figure out which ones you need the most. But once you do, it really does help. And so I think that, uh, I agree. This is going to be big. The this the even the organization of the home screen I think is kind of cool because I know it's a drawer of your apps, but personally I have, you know, my phone crashed like a month ago and so I had to redo my whole phone. I mean, this was like, uh, it was a pain. And so my, but basically I only set up the first two pages and after that I'm just letting any app just kind of go and just overflow. You know what I mean? Like I'll just search if I need it. But again, I think that's something that Apple has probably realized is that some people organize everything and it takes forever. But if you can just have your third or, you know, you can hide these home pages now and just have your app drawer, that's also convenient. So it's a lot of little things. I think that iOS just continues to evolve in ways that users want. It takes a little bit longer than I think a lot of the crossover users kind of would like um, people that have been on Android. But uh, for the average person, I think that, you know, and Apple has a lot of just everyday users. I think that they kind of just see these features and they say, okay, this is cool. I'll look into those. Yeah, I, th- I 100% agree with you. The The thing that stood out for me at the keynote is I think that the power of the ecosystem took another step up. So people, we always talk about ecosystem, ecosystem, how it matters. I think at WWDC 20, again, Apple leaned into it. And I think one of the, the most obvious examples to me is when they showed off the AirPods Pro and the AirPods. And these are products that have already existed for some time. Just even the regular AirPods have existed for a while. And all of a sudden they're like, hey, we're going to give you automatic switching. And so if you take a step back, they're, they're the only company that can do this because of the ecosystem. Because let's say you have a Windows PC and you have uh, Samsung Galaxy Buds um, and you use an iPhone. Well, you can actually do that, but there's no way that a year or two down the road, those Galaxy Buds that you bought are going to be able to do seamless handoff between your Windows machine and your Apple iPhone and, let's say, uh, whatever, a Samsung tablet, right? All of a sudden Mm -hmm. now, AirPods, the most popular 
wireless earbuds on planet Earth. Get this in in a snap of a finger at WWDC, and I'm just like, damn, if you basically have one or two Apple products that most people do, why why wouldn't you buy AirPods now? Well, and they've they have really amped that up over the years. I mean, when you think about when I just think about my workflow on a daily basis with what I do with the iPhone, like let's say I'm editing something on my computer and I need to take like just this morning, I wanted to take a quick little video of this gadget and throw it into the video I was editing. And with the iPhone, I take the video on my iPhone and I airdrop it to my computer. Boom, I drop it into Final Cut and I make, you know, go on my merry way. Other days, I'll create a quick graphic on, uh, you know, Canva or something on my computer and airdrop it to my phone to post to Instagram. I mean, it's these little things, these little workflows that Apple has perfected. Now, with your talk about the whole AirPods thing, I think that that's number one Steve Jobs' entire vision for these products. They start out as a slab of glass and metal and some processing power inside, and they become anything you want. Wasn't his dream to not have any uh, buttons on these things at all? And that's kind of where we're at. I mean, you've got the basics covered, a microphone, a camera, but then you have these app developers that just take it and run with it. And the amount of things that your iPhone has become over the years (laughs) is unbelievable. And now we're talking about car keys. And again, They didn't add anything extra to the iPhone, but now it can become a car key. And it's these basic things. Now, against your your talk about the AirPods Pro, I would argue that that is very frustrating for consumers. The fact that, yes, with Apple, everything just works so nicely, but it used to be with electronics, especially consumer electronics, there was a time when you had these sort of consortiums of like Mm -hmm. these gadget makers that would work together so that things could work together. And nowadays, I feel like we've seen all that torn apart and people are just taking the Apple method of saying, you know what? We want to control everything from start to finish. We can't guarantee that these things are going to work with anything else. But we know if you've got a Fire TV and a, a you know Fire tablet and a Alexa and an Echo, it's all going to work very nicely. But if you introduce a Google Home speaker into there or a Sonos, we can't really guarantee that it's going to play nice. Yeah. And I, I do think that's a little frustrating. But yes, Apple does this the best. And it's great to get new features with a software update. That's that's the most fun. Yeah, that's why we love this WWDC stuff. I think you also made an interesting point about you know Apple joining consortiums because, or there used to be that the kind of goodwill between companies and and Apple's walled garden was kind of one of those early companies that are like, mm, no, we're not going to do it this way. And the only reason they could be that way is because they had this position of power with the consumer that allowed them to do this, which they still do to this day. But I did find it interesting when they talked about HomeKit in the keynote is, you know, they're like, hey, we've joined a consortium with Amazon and Google. And this is one of those examples. And we've seen this over the years where, yes, Apple's not always the top dog in all spaces, but they, if they ruled the smart home, there's no way you're telling me that Apple would have joined a smart home consortium, right? Exactly. If, if Apple was the boss, which they aren't in the home, in the home space, they would not have joined this consortium, but right. you know their HomeKit, the way that they set it up, they set up HomeKit to be in a walled garden where you had to, you know, be a, a company that you know signed on board with their requirements, um, you know, for better or for worse. And when I the last time I looked at the list of compatible HomeKit smart home devices, it was literally around the high two hundreds. It might be around the three hundreds now, but it was so limited. You're talking about. Amazon and Google, they're in the tens of thousands of compatible smart home devices. So, you know, all the main and all the key stuff in that smart home world 
controlling your TV with a Logitech Harmony remote, uh, even a Nest thermostat, which is so prevalent. Apple doesn't work with that right now. And so right. they had to, one of those moments where you really saw Apple's kind of bend the knee and get down and be like, all right, we will we will work with you guys for the first time. But in the past and historically, they just haven't in, haven't had to do this in a lot of the ventures that they've pursued. And they do they do it when it's convenient for them. Totally. So with the with the whole home kit thing, it's like it wasn't really happening. There was just too many products out there. Too many people already invested in either Google or uh, especially with the the Amazon yeah. stuff. And there was just too many to really break through. And okay, so you get this HomePod that's super expensive and you can choose from like a list of like three or four things that work with it. So again, that's why they had to do it. Now, they again, they do it when it's convenient. So we saw with the car stuff, they are joining where it's going to be, you know, it's not just going to be the iPhone that unlocks these cars. It'll probably be Androids as well. They don't say that, but they're, I think that's, if you're a car maker, I think that's kind of what you want. You know, most of the car makers, they don't choose CarPlay or Android Auto. They do both. Mm -hmm. um, and the other things like... Uh, uh, what was the other one that they talked about where they were part of something? Uh, but on the, okay, the app clip thing. So we saw that. Now, are they going to make that so that when you tap that NFC code with an Android phone, it's going to open up an instant app on Android? I don't think so. So again, they use their muscle when they can and they kind of join where they think they need to. And it makes sense, I guess, from a company that's trying to dominate the world. <laughs> if if they haven't dominated it already enough. Um, I guess they're only looking at Amazon right now and being like, hey, guys, you guys are really dominating the world. Different different uh, industry, whatnot. But um, here's the, oh, other the other one was the tags, the tags. So oh. they, they open oh, yeah. that up to, you know, where you, let's say even, I'm guessing even tiles can now tap in if they want. I'm, I'm guessing tile will tap in because it makes a lot of sense for them to do that. But oh, again, yeah, Apple right. kind of owns the experience at the end of the day because they have it's it's going to be an API that these guys tap into and it's all Apple you know they own it whereas Tile they had their own thing going on and it probably just can't compete once Apple opens up these floodgates yeah i mean apple's taking you know what they what they've they're they're looking at what tile and uh, what's the other company tracker have been doing for years and they're like hey we already have find my let's just put on here i mean i was worried that apple might kind of wall them off and say oh you guys have your your little ecosystem for your tile stuff um we're gonna have our own air tags and blow it out of the water so you know i'm not saying they're throwing an olive branch out to them but i, I thought that was nice that they're at least allowing tile to play nice with their platform because they didn't have to well, do that i agree but it's this is what's so confusing to me about apple is that there are moments when i absolutely love <laughs> what their smart engineers are doing but then at other times i think they're totally evil like okay so smart and nice i'll give you two examples number one Apple TV there. If you ever search using Siri on Apple TV and you go into like, you know, let's say you find a movie that you want to watch Ford versus Ferrari, right? It will tell you, Hey, this is playing for free. It almost, I think it almost defaults to the one where it's included in your subscription. And then it'll tell you like, here's the other places it's playing as well. Open it in these apps, which to me is like, you would say a good Apple, right? Like they're really helping the end user. Oh, before I just paid to rent that movie from iTunes, hold on. HBO max is streaming it. Okay. Great. Let me just open that in HBO Max. Now, here's bad Apple is things like, um, oh my gosh, I forgot my, uh, <laughs> I forgot my. <laughs> bad. 
Oh, yeah, like default apps on the iPhone. It's like stuff like that where you know they can do it. And yes, they're giving us a little bit of it, but they're not giving us all of it. Mm. And yes, maybe that's some programming behind the scenes. And I have no doubt that the iOS ecosystem is so ingrained with the Apple default apps that it probably is tough for them to code around that. But at the same time, to me, that was always kind of like a little bit of evil. Like, okay, we're going to push you to, to Apple Maps no matter what, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that we'll, they're, they're protecting their ecosystem. We both know that. And it'll be interesting to see when you talk about the kind of open up to third parties because, look, the keynote had so much stuff packed into it. And like you said, it did move pretty fast. Could you imagine, this is when I watched the keynote, I was like, man, I really love this pacing. And there are times where I'm trying to take notes or I'm running the live stream or I'm tweeting and I'm like, wait, what did I just miss? Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll figure that out later. But um, during the whole keynote, there were times, those downtimes, this is the thing, WWDC typically had at least like a half an hour segment where a developer would come on stage oh, yeah. and show all the new Xcode stuff. And many people like us would just be like, Okay, let's just. What are, what are we going to talk about like, right now, or what are we going to catch up on? And there let was- me catch up. Let me. Yeah, like there used to be points. I I almost made a joke about this on Twitter, being like, I can't wait for the gaming demo where they show like Unity or something, because yeah. that's always when I would like Infin- catch up. Infinity Blade Five or whatever Infinity yes. Blade is at now. I feel so bad, but it's like, uh, you know, the Lego, the Lego 3D AR stuff or whatever. They always had like an AR portion where it was like, yeah, we've seen this before. I know you're trying to make this a thing. Uh, It's not there just yet, but there was no catching up. But there was, I mean, I don't know. I mean, there was just so many little things that like I thought was pretty impressive. Like when you look at the Apple Watch, for instance, that that device dominates an entire industry of fitness gadgets. I mean, I don't think there's another fitness gadget that is even close to what the Apple Watch can offer. And mainly nowadays, because of all the apps that, that kind of blend in with the Apple Watch, like that to have functionality on there, um, I just, I don't even understand how Google is going to do something, I mean, with Fitbit to make a competitor to this. I mean, they have to do a lot of stuff, you know? It's, it's going to be, it's going to be really hard because, you know, Fitbit had that niche of, okay, they are the fitness geared one. And it lasted for, let's say maybe around what, when Apple had their Apple Watch, they only really started jumping to fitness around maybe series two, series three. So Fitbit kind of had that space for about a one and a half year window. And then all of a sudden, right, Apple threw in a few more things. The only thing to me that Fitbit has over Apple right now is more specific sleep tracking. Now we'll see, it's already the gap between them is already too huge. I mean, Apple has taken just, uh, I don't even know what the percentage is, but it's its at least, Apple has at least a 50, 60% share of the smartwatch market. It might be even higher than that, right? And that was the big thing with sleep tracking because it was always like, whenever I do a story about you know trackers, it's always like, wink, wink, nod, nod, but you still don't have sleep tracking, which to me, I think it's funny because, and this is Apple, they didn't really, it's weird because Apple loves to promote things that are really, um, beneficial to their cause. Right. And so all these years when they finally switched over to fitness for the Apple watch, they talk about how it can do this and how it can do that. But they never mentioned just how vital sleep tracking is to the whole fitness uh, identity of an individual, right? If you're not getting enough sleep or you're not getting proper sleep. And so I feel like they, they're wandering into it now, but they're not really giving like the the kind of sleep i don't know we'll no, no, see you're, i mean you're rich you're 100 percent right because people that have played with the sleep app right now it doesn't yeah. give you all those metrics like deep sleep or rem okay, right. sleep right now it's just basically 
you know, the way that they presented it, and it, which, you know, shows how, like, you're really paying attention to it. Right now, the way that they presented it was like, oh, we want to get you on a good sleep schedule. Right. right. That, that's how they were presenting exactly. it. Exactly. They weren't digging into, like, these are all the metrics that you're getting. So what people have found, at least what it's showing them right now that have access to the developer betas, is the sleep tracking is there, meaning how long you've been sleeping, but all that really nitty-gritty stuff when you hit REM and everything like that, it's not in there right now. Okay. So, All right. So I, my feeling was correct because they kind of, they tiptoed into it and I'm not saying it's not going to get better. I don't think that the, the actual hardware on the Apple watch was created for sleep tracking. And I think that's their biggest problem because they kind of got around it with, I was reading and it says, you know, if you go to sleep and your battery is going to die while you're sleeping better than you dying, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point, Rich. But it, yeah, but if they go, you know, if it says, "Hey, your 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 watch is going to die." They probably don't use that terminology because nobody wants to hear the words die and sleep in the same sentence, right? <laughs> but if they say, "Hey, your watch is going to uh run out of battery before you wake up," uh it will tell you that before you go to sleep, which, you know, again, it's this whole thing of I get it, you can charge your watch at other times in the day and you'll probably figure it out, but for the Apple Watch to truly be a good sleep tracker, they've got to get the battery life to a, a couple of days yep. just so that you know, maybe you don't track your sleep on one night and you just charge your watch that night. I don't know. Yep. But uh, anyway, but I, I still feel like the Apple Watch is one of these devices that it's tough to explain just how awesome it is, but once you have it, okay, here's a good example. So when I when my phone crashed, right? My uh, my iPhone. I basically went a week without setting it up again because I was so annoyed that I was like, Ugh, I don't want to do this. <laughs> and so I just used like one of my you know Android phones that I have as like kind of my uh, you know tester for Android. Mm -hmm. And so I just switched it out to that, put my SIM card in there at, for a week. I think it was a week or two, and it just kept going off, off and off and off and on and on, and text and this and notification. And my wife was like, Who is always texting you? And I was like, Look at this is the same amount of stuff I've always gotten. You just never knew about it because my phone is always on silent because I have an Apple watch with my iPhone and that's what gives me my notifications silently. And so it was like one of those moments in my life where I just realized I was like, wow, I didn't even realize the effect of this device where I don't have to deal with turning my phone on silent or not silent or vibrate or whatever. It's just when I get a message, it just comes in through the watch. I see what's going on. Or if I'm on my phone, it comes in through the phone. And it's just a beautiful kind of um, thing that you don't think about that just works. Yeah, I mean, I said on my video recap, it, it reactions, it is one of my favorite Apple products of all time. It it is, and it and it's still, I feel like it still hasn't even scratched the surface of how good it can be still. I still think there's a oh, long... Yeah. Long ways to go for the Apple Watch. Um, while we're talking about Apple Watch, just so people that are listening, I kind of want to drop some nuggets in here because even if you saw the keynote, there are a couple things that Apple did not mention about watchOS. So what um, the reports after digging into watchOS 7 have shown is that Apple is going to actually be dropping Force Touch where you press hard on the screen in watchOS 7. I don't know if you used Force Touch that much, yes, Rich. Yes, I do. I do. Yeah. Yes, and for I saw apps, that. And yeah. I'm... But you know what? Again, I, I feel like that's a power user thing, and I think that the average person using the Apple Watch would never discover that. Agreed. So I, I get it. I get why they're doing it, and it they want to make it easier to use, and it it's kind of like a hidden power user thing, and if you don't discover it, you feel like your watch can't do things. And so now by having buttons on the screen that you know what they do, seems you know seems more in the interest of the average person. Yeah, and then the other quick Apple Watch mention is that... Um, Watch OS 7 will only be compatible with Apple Watch Series 3 and later. So for those of you that have a 0, Series 1, or Series 2, I uh, just want to let you know 
Apple Watch OS 7 only with Series 3 and later. So just want to throw those throw those two little nuggets in. Were there, it's about time to retire those anyway. Yeah, I would agree. <laughs> it's I been a agree. while. There, I, there was no GPS on the first one. I believe no. on the second one there was, right? Second one there was, and the third th- Series 3 is really where it took off. They brought the new... Right completely new revamped watch os and uh that that's that's what made it sing okay so we talked about kind of initial impressions i know we're just bouncing around all over the place was there any specific we saw the different os's was there any specific uh os thing big or small that when you saw it i know we talked about widgets they said i'm gonna be affected by that every day or all the time was there anything that you saw Mm. Um, yeah, you know I what? Have one. A, I have one. This is but... a this is a really small one, yeah. but I I I really really like this. It's the ability to pin conversations <laughs> in messages, and it's just such a small dumb thing. But like when I'm texting someone, like my wife, that I text over and over, and it you know the conversation drops down. You're always looking in that conversation list for that person, and so by being able to pin a couple of you know, like, or like if you have a conversation with your work crew and you just want to keep it pinned to the top, uh, it's just, it's so much easier. So it's a small thing that of course, yes, Android apps have had it forever and you can download a third party app, but it's just nice to have it on the iPhone. Yeah. Mine was the fact that FaceTime or any calls do not take up your entire freaking screen anymore. Yes. And this is an Android yes. thing, but that, that is, I always hated that. I'd be surfing the web or doing something on an iPad and did my entire screen really have to be completely covered with nothing when my mom or dad or family member FaceTimes me? I, I, or what about, well, yeah, what about when you FaceTime them and you want to switch to a different yes. app and you just want them to be in the corner like a normal phone would have it? And it's like, <laughs> nope, it just pauses it or whatever it does. You still hear them. I mean, it's like little things like that. And again, Apple understands. They know that people want these things, totally. but they have to, it takes them some time sometimes to, to get these things right. The the other cool thing, getting right the HomePod, we we didn't talk about the HomePod too much. Um, they talked in, about it in respect to HomeKit. There's some kind of cool new little development that we've been waiting to hear, but the HomePod will be gaining support for third-party music services where previously you had to, you know, pull up the app on your phone and then airplay it over to the HomePod. Well, now with the new update, and HomePod runs off of tvOS, but when they offer that update to the HomePod, which kind of automatically updates in the background, you'll be able to run things like Spotify or Pandora. Um, I, I didn't see the entire list of supported services, but obviously Spotify is one of them. That's where they're playing nice, Rich. They decided to play nice there. I like that. Yeah, but again, they had to. Of and course. It's one of, it's one of these things Every other device where, does it, right? Except theirs. Ex- of course. And so you got to... Y- you know, you got to. So that's one of the examples where they just have to. And um, again, that's that's where Apple, they they are in a position where they can decide these things. And so that's good for them. But again, if you, if you ever had another company that came out, uh, if you ever had Windows, Microsoft come out with a speaker that only worked with uh, Windows Music Service, if there is even, do they even have a music service <laughs> I don't, anymore? I don't, I don't believe so. I mean, the Zune, has, so. the Zune has passed on. That was a great oh. device, by the way. The Zune was oh, that- the Zune was ahead of its time for me. I Way ahead awesome. of its time. I thought it was awesome. There's been so many things over the years that have just, they're just not the right timing. They get one little thing wrong, but you know, it's, it's like, that's just the reality of being in the tech world. It's like, you can, you can 
come out of nowhere and just, you know, hit it out of the park with a, with a tiny change on a device and, and really make like the Kindle. I mean, look at that thing. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. So here's the, here's the question when you throw that idea out there, when you say, oh, you know, sometimes it's bad timing. The thing about it, though, is I feel like a lot of the times, not all the time, but a lot of times the tech world's timing, you know, why, Apple can have bad timing, but because they have this massive ecosystem and this support base that, and just the who they are, this beast of a company, like, let's be real, the HomePod, it sounds amazing. That's probably the only thing that it's good for right now. I know people are going to get mad at me when I say that. But, you know, if another company released the HomePod, let's say Samsung, if they right. released that product. The DOA. It, and it and they haven't even released their smart speaker, but Apple, the whole idea of timing, sometimes Apple just can get away with this and not right. worry about timing because they are who they are, where other companies, yeah. like, they have to hit the nail on the head. But again, Apple, this is, and this kind of goes to the fact of how Apple designs stuff, the HomePod is a speaker, and it's software inside, and it sounds really good. So they gave it all the good parts, mm-hmm. and it's just a matter of the software getting better, and it has gotten better. I mean, the other day I put my iPhone near the HomePod, yeah. and it was like, oh, do you want to transfer your you know, podcast you're listening to? I was like, wait, what? And you know, it was like little things. Like I knew that that was a feature, but like when you see it, you're like, oh, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and just the quality of the audio, and again, like Samsung, if they come out with a speaker, I just don't see it having that long nope. life nope. of software updates where it just continues to like integrate into your home. I was thinking the other day, I was like, oh gosh, Sonos. I'm on this rant with Sonos. I don't know if you use Sonos, but they, they, uh, their software they support. really, what's that? Was it that software support kind of update that they were going to not support? Y- yeah, no, guys? it wasn't that it's the actual app. They, so what they did was everyone like me that has like a mix of like new and old speakers, they put me on the old platform and the app logo is so ugly that it makes me want to delete, like throw away the entire system. Right. And I'm sure they kept the nice logo for like their new stuff, mm. but I literally, my logo looks like it's like some no frills, like Sonos S one. That's what the name of the app is. I'm like, yeah. what is this garbage? And so anyway, my point is, um, I was thinking the other day, I'm like, Oh, wouldn't it be nice to have just all home pods everywhere in every room. And just, you know, now that you can link everything up just like you can with Sonos, what's the difference? You know, they're, they're getting there too, right? When, once they release that cheaper, smaller home pod that we're going to start that's more affordable that we can throw in other rooms, right? That's one of their biggest challenges with the HomePod and Smart Home. They just don't have a product that's affordable enough for us to just litter our homes with it. Right. Not and yet. and Google did that and they they did a good job of that. Um, and so we'll see. I don't but that's not Apple's way. They're to to get a $50 Apple yeah. speaker would be just uh, they wouldn't do it. I mean, their their watch bands are fifty dollars. So exactly, they're, <laughs> they're not gonna. If your watch band starts at forty nine bucks, you're not gonna yep. have a speaker in your home for forty nine bucks. Uh, any of the OSs that you really liked? Any of the features that you saw? I mean, I thought that iPad OS and that scribble feature with the pencil. That's going to be, to me, now not everyone uses the Apple Pencil, but for someone like me that uses the Apple Pencil occasionally. I love that thing, and I'm I'm hoping I could see myself do a lot more work when it's talking about taking notes. Now, some people joke like, "Dude, you still who writes? Who writes anymore?" Right, right. right. But but if but you're doing something, do. but I see what they're doing. If you're doing something with the pencil, okay, now you have to put down the pencil. You have to bring up the keyboard, 
And now you have to tap into the little, you know, I, a tab to like search and then type in the keyboard. And now you have to put your, pick your, your pencil back up. I mean, so I get it. I get what they're doing. I still think that that operating system on iPad and I've been playing around with the iPad pro I, mm -hmm. yesterday, my computer was dead. And so I used the iPad pro to do like a blog post for work and it takes a lot. Like it's a whole new world to learn that operating system. And I feel like it's not as intuitive as just the standard iPad was, you know, when that came out. That's a good point. And I, I think they have a lot, a lot to figure out there. I mean, I was trying to put two apps side by side and even that was just like, and I've done it before in the past and I just like couldn't remember how to do it, you know? And then I'm like swiping between apps with like three fingers on the screen. And it's just, you know, it's a, it's a lot. And I think that they're incrementally trying to figure that out. They don't want to alienate uh, the olds, you know, the people that have been on it forever and the they, olds. <laughs> but they, but they want to bring in the news, you know what I mean? And I think I would be a new because I, you know, I don't know how to use it in the new way. So, well, to your point, you know, they, even though I want them to add more functionality to iPad OS and they have, you know, multi screens or two apps side by side has been around for a while now. I pretty much, I almost never use that because I'm not using it as a super productivity device yet, but I don't, to your point also, I don't think there's many people that are, like, if you took, if you pulled 10 iPad Pro users, I bet you maybe one or two of them is even using multi-screen apps on a regular. And it's right. Just and not yeah. And it's, I mean, maybe if you're putting two things side by side, if you're a business person, you're looking at a spreadsheet and you have some data in another place. I mean, I get the use case. I mean, I, I've always said I like I love the idea of the iPad Pro, especially with the keyboard now, because you, if you're a business traveler, you go from being on the plane and doing your work on the plane. You've got this great little device and then boom, you're done with your spreadsheet. And now you just watch uh, a movie on Netflix that you've downloaded. And it's a great device for that too. Um, and it's a great device for video chatting and it's a great device for music in your room. You know, it's just, so, I mean, I see it, but it's just, it's, I think it's really tough for Apple to get there. And every time they do like an update, they kind of get there a little bit more uh -huh. like the scribble thing. It integrates a little bit more of the pencil but it's still tricky for the average person because it's a lot to learn. And it's, again, not as intuitive as sort of touch, swipe, swipe up, swipe down, whatever. <laughs> you know, tricky, it's a good word that you use because we haven't even talked about yet the biggest announcement of the keynote, their at least for me, their transition and their official, we are making Apple Silicon um, they never reference the word ARM, right? They're not going to do that. It's the ARM architecture is the custom chip that they've been building all these years, but they're calling it Apple Silicon. What did you like about their presentation on that part? Because I was, even though we knew it was coming, that was one of those moments where I was really impressed with what they did and what they showed off. Um, it made it, it made me realize, even though I had been saying it for a while, just how damn powerful the the 12x 12z chip that's already been in the iPad for about two years has been and nothing's really been done with it. This this is this is huge. This is this is like you said the biggest announcement for consumers. It's, you know, average person again. Like you have to you have to understand there's there's like this whole thing with Apple where they have a lot of like average people. You know, they're just like everyday people that buy technology that just want a phone that works, that want a computer that works. And then you've got the power users. And I think what's neat about Apple is it appeals to both. Mm -hmm. Like there's people that are really into you know what their iPhone can do and what they can do with HomePod and what they can do with their uh, iPad. And their Mac computer. Um, but then you just have someone who just needs a laptop to surf the web. So I think Apple's done a good job with all that stuff. I think that by switching to their own chip, this is going to propel 
the MacBooks and other computers to the next level. And the reason for that is look at what they've been able to do with the iPhone. They are generations ahead of anything on Android when it comes to processing power on that phone. Um, you talk about 4K video. Have you ever trimmed or you know a, a 4K video on your iPhone and you see that little wheel go in about three seconds <laughs> because it's just chomping through that video? I mean, it's just phenomenal. And yeah. so... I think the power of these computers is going to get better, uh, the processing power, the efficiency, which is huge. We haven't seen any increases in efficiency in laptops in a long time. And, um, well, wait, they are going to put these in their laptops, right? Or is it just for their No, they, they said the entire, the entire transition will end up happening in the next, by the next two years. So, yeah, okay. lap, Macs, so it's desktops, laptops, laptops, and desktops. Okay. Yep. But, you know, for laptops and then battery life, I mean, look at what they've oh done goodness. with the iPhone with battery life. I mean, especially with the last one where they said, oh, if you're editing a video and we identify that you only need this portion of the core on the chip, we're only going to light that portion up so we can save the energy and the rest of the parts. I'm like, wait, what? That's amazing. <laughs> like, what? I don't know if I explained that right, but like that kind of stuff. And now my concern is the apps. Like, am I going to be able to run Chrome on their new device or are they not going to let me because Google doesn't want to play nice with their new chip and they have to code things? Or I don't know. I don't know about the coding part. So because it's ARM architecture, does that mean that these apps will just run on it or what? So the biggest thing is there's a few levels like any of the software transitions they've done. So first of all, Apple, at least from the Mac standpoint, all of obviously Apple's apps that they have developed, they're already ready to go. So they've been running this on the ARM chips for a while. And then there's kind of two other ways that people approach software. I don't know if you remember, but back when they went from um, PowerPC to Intel, there's this feature called Rosetta. And it basically allowed an old, I don't want to say old school, but let's say an earlier app that was a non-Apple um, internally optimized app right out of the gates. It would allow you to run that app in the new on the new processors. It wasn't yeah, it's not clean. Yeah, it's that's not, not clean. the clean, it's not, it's right? Not the clean that's way. the clean way. You won't have the it. true clean apps for a while, but right. I think you know, and I know that the iPhone apps are going to run on there. That's also game changing. I mean, the fact that you can have your favorite iPhone app just on your computer screen. I mean, that's huge without the developer having to do anything. I mean, that's there are so many little things that like maybe you have an app that keeps track of your pool or something. You know, your pool heater. I don't know. I don't have a pool, <laughs> but you know, it, let's say you know some random app that you want to. Instead of having to fire up your phone to do it, you just want to be able to have it in the background on your computer. I mean, that's something that you you don't even think about until it's, it's there. And um, I think yeah. also the the good thing is that they showed off that Microsoft and Adobe are already working with them early, right? I'm always a, as an Adobe user. Oh, if I was Microsoft I was, and Adobe, I would be too. Yeah, yeah, no, you better be right. But as as an Adobe user, I'm always worried because they tend to be a little slower when it comes to upgrading their apps. And as pro users, we're probably going to still be using Intel machines for a while until those specific apps are truly, you know, recompiled and optimized for the new platform. But it is a good sign because look, if you talk about the general user, right, that that kind of average user that we're talking about that uses Apple devices, if you just say all Apple apps, Microsoft, and let's say maybe Adobe, Adobe's kind of even a little on the higher end side, but let's just say Microsoft, all Apple apps and all iOS apps are gonna work on day one on that ARM machine, most people are gonna be just fine with that. Yeah, as long as you have, uh, if, if you're talking average, you know, general user, um, and when I say average, I mean general. I don't mean like you're you you can be listening and you're above average, but you as can, a person you know I mean? as a person yeah as a person user? okay you're good I just want to <laughs> make I want to make that clear you can be above average as a person but be the average user okay <laughs> let me I'm I'm not 
I'm not being mean about people. You know what I mean? Like I think that uh, I'm just saying the masses, right? <laughs> uh, like someone who's getting this laptop for college and just wants to be able to do word processing. Like they don't really care how things are running, but they will care if they're getting 20 hours of battery life, which is probably, uh, I would say, we're going to see some me- very, very big improvements in battery life because you've got these apps that have probably gotten a little um, what liberal over the years with their use of, of, of power resources. And I'm not looking at Chrome, but I'm just saying in general, <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just saying there's some apps out there that, uh, you know, if they, if they're forced to rewrite for this, they may rewrite more efficient. And the way that Apple's just going to do everything, I'm guessing is going to be more efficient because they control things from the, the top to the bottom, just like on the iPhone. Yeah, I'm super excited for this transition. Uh, it's, it's going to be a huge, just fundamental shift, but also, the thing is that I'm excited where when they talked about the actual, you know, their A-chip processor family and how they've added some of these kind of different co-processors that are specific to their to their actual ARM chips, they, you know, they're going to start having these co-processors that exist in all their devices. So in the past, right, you might have a mo- – I'm not saying that you're going to be running with your MacBook, but if you can imagine the fact that maybe they create some new uh, AR co-processor specifically that used to only exist on – the iPhone, and then all of a sudden it exists in every Mac, they're going to be able to do things in the ecosystem because now they're going to have these same processors in every device they have. And I'm not using AR as an example example, but you know they're going to be able to kind of have this crossover. And then when these devices come out, they'll be able to talk to each other in ways that we haven't even, that we can't even think of right now, right? They're the ones behind the scenes that have laid out, oh, we want to do X, Y, and Z here. And so just from a hardware standpoint and how they're going to make this ecosystem even tighter between how these devices talk to each other and the things they do. It like it's going to revolutionize battery life, but give it a few years, it's going to do some of those same similar things. And then remember Apple what? They're working on developing their own 5G chips because they did that Intel acquisition. So, I mean, who they'll need other people, but they're just this, not going to need yeah. people as much. <laughs> In at the end of the day, when you when you look at the history of Apple, you're going to be thinking why it kind of seemed crazy that they were using someone else's chips in their computers, right? Down the line, because if you're Apple and the kind of control that this company has put into everything that they do, they are on a quest to just make things work better. Like you said, work with each other, you know, the different products work with each other better. And they just keep kind of killing it when it comes to that kind of stuff. And, and I get it. It goes against some of the stuff that I do. I'm kind of sad, you know, (laughs) for interoperability between things, but I think that Apple has kind of proven that they have a better way in a lot of ways, right? When you, when you open up those AirPods and they link up to your device or you, you know, all, there's so many little things that they do. That's just like Apple magic. And, um, you know, for better or worse, it's, it's kind of like, this is the path that they're on. And I think that this, these laptops and these computers, you're going to realize that like Apple will now get a chance to really shine because of this decision. It's bad for Intel, um, but <laughs> it's very good for Apple. Hey, Rich, I actually had um, a drinking game for listeners of when it was the first time you used the word magic. So thank oh. you. Um, thank you for that. <laughs> <Did> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm messing with you. It just makes okay. me laugh because like that, that, that is like, you know how like we cover Apple so much? literally sometimes unintentionally their marketing speak does infiltrate oh, yeah. our brains. Oh, of course. It well, totally and, does. Yes. It of totally course. Does. And that this is their, they like to use certain phrases and terminology, but, um, the reality is I cover a lot of companies and I am very fine with talking about what works and what doesn't work. And when it comes to Apple, 
most of their stuff works. I mean, I'm not going to, I'm still waiting for, um, my favorite artist to reply to my pings on iTunes music. <laughs> whoa, whoa, wait, is, I thought they got rid of pings. Did no, wasn't it? Wasn't no, it that was, like a, wasn't it like a social network? Yes, no, it was on, a music, yes, yes. It was their yeah. music social network connected to their iTunes store. Yeah. Thank you. Like yeah. I'm trying to remember some of these things that yeah. just, you know, they move on when things don't work and, you know, <laughs> And but we never anyway. hear about them ever again until Rich um, brings it up. <laughs> I did want to talk about privacy, though, because yeah. I do I do think that Apple, and this is another kind of another affront to people like Google and Amazon, mm-hmm. where Apple does not really make money based on our data, right? Mm-hmm. And so they can they can go around and say all these privacy things they put in place, which protect the consumer, which I think is great, by the way. But it's really interesting because it's really... Um, these are all aimed directly at Google and Amazon. And am I forgetting any other major? Di- oh, Facebook. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The the book. So I mean, the fact that now on the iPhone there's going to be a little light up thing when you're, you know, when an app is using your <laughs> yeah. camera, that's huge. Um, what's the other one? The nutrition facts label for apps. I mean, I think that's huge because these app developers, you know, they can't hide behind a terms of service or whatever. Now it's like, no, here, if I want, before I download an app, I'm just going to see, Hey, do you want access to my camera? Because I don't think you need that. And I'm not downloading you. You know, I I think of my mom. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no. And that's, that's just, it's just these little privacy things they keep building in. I'm glad someone's doing that because it, it really is for the, and we talk about the average consumer again, um, you know what's going on. I know what's going on, but I don't think a lot of people always know what's going on. And I think that I'm glad that Apple's kind of, I don't want to say looking out for us, but they kind of are in a certain way. They're, they're, they're protecting us from ourselves. You know, they're, they're leaning into it now. And I think that they've, they've kind of seen that, oh, this is, this is resonating with people. Cause I think the user base, when you talk to people, look, I, as a smart home user, I know that I'm giving Amazon and Google all types of access to basically hear whatever they want. And if they like what I'm saying or doing, well then good for them. But you know, it's as it's a thing where I give them all that privacy slash the potential chance that they could hear X, Y, and Z just because I want a better smart home. Now, look, Apple's privacy stance has resonated with people because there's so many people that they'll say, no, I'm only going to use Apple because they're not going to, they're not digging into my stuff like the others. Now, the general consumer, the average person who is, using this stuff who's an actually an above average person in life there we want to make that clear we make that clear there they have no idea what these apps are pulling from them and i can tell you right now if my mama saw like wait this app is taking x y and z constantly behind the scenes she's going to be like do i have to use that and i think oh, there's, yeah. there's there is definitely value to that even for us as um above average users and above average people we you and i <laughs> We, I don't know what all these apps are doing for me. And if no, there's, no and if, one does. Right, and, and if there's an alternative, just, then you're like, okay, maybe I won't use this app as much. But this is the other thing I love about Apple too, is that here they are, they've built this entire system. They've built you know, this ecosystem of apps and developers who make a you know, pretty penny on all these things. But then they like pit these people against themselves. So <laughs> they say, oh, and by the way, now uh, every user has the option of just sharing their approximate location with you instead of their exact. And you're like a developer that was like making a lot of side money on you know, selling all people's location data to these you know, data services. And you're like, oh no, like what? They just... <laughs> I mean, I love Apple, but come on, Apple, why do you got to do that to me? Yeah. Um, but it's things like that. Like for Twitter, for instance, like 
they're gobbling up a ton of location data on people, right? They know where every single person is at all times because when you go on Twitter, it says, hey, can we localize this experience for you so it's the best it can be? And you're like, sure. And now they know everything about you. And so now, hopefully with this new, you know, I can give my approximate location thing, Twitter's going to be one of them because they don't need to know exactly where I am at all times. I used to think that was very important, by the way, Brian, because I don't want someone to dig up an old podcast where I said how great it was for Twitter to know exactly where you are. <laughs> I used to think it was because my idea used to be that let's say you live in a, a portion of the city and there's you know a helicopter flying above you and you're trying to figure out what's going on and you just go on Twitter and say tweets near me, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but they never enacted that feature where it was like you know nearby. There's still anyway. My point is. Twitter is collecting the exact location data, but when you go to search, it's really just surfacing you as being in Los Angeles. So they're keeping that data, but they're only giving it that you are in LA. Does that make sense at all? Yeah, no, no, I, it makes sense. It, or, I can't. It sucks. I can't remember the name of the app. I don't know if it was called Citizen or something, but it, there's a there's an app out there that when you said oh you know, tweets near me or things happening near me. They, they oh, yeah. use very specific location data where you can report yes. crimes as they happen. Yes, and like, that is citizen. There's this, there's this like, yeah, there's this live feed. And basically if you're walking down the street and there's a crime that happened maybe like five blocks away from you just yeah. 10 minutes ago, you'll be able to see it and you're like, oh my God. And I don't know. Cit- Turn the other way. Walk <laughs> the other way, Rich. Now, now I mean, that, that might have been useful. Citizen's going to have to be like, well, there was approximately a robbery that approximately happened. Yeah. Oh, I didn't think about that. Area. Like, that's the type of app that actually um, helped people out in this case. But right. you know, it's, it's going to change a little bit. That will change, and that's and all of these apps, they have to kind of get around this stuff sometimes. And, and you know, how do we play? How do we keep providing the service that we want to provide yeah. with with you know, these new rules that Apple enacts. And that's a good example. I, that's, that's a really good example right there. Cause most people are going to say, eh, I don't want my, I don't want to give my exact location. I'll just give my approximate. And with an app like that, it would actually not work so well. Um, Rich, you know, I, we've had you on for a while and this has been a lot of fun. Is there any product? We know we didn't see any hardware at the keynote, but is there maybe one product that you're really excited for? Because, you know, this was a software showcase and man, you and I are going to have a lot of work to do come September, October this year, because I think there's going to be a lot of stuff that they end up dropping on our heads. So if there's one kind of product for you personally that you're really hoping to see or excited about coming this fall, which one would that be for you? You know what? I think we're at such a good place with the iPhone and the AirPods and all this Apple stuff that this is the first time in my life when I actually don't think I need anything mm. new from Apple, which I think is kind of crazy. Mm. Um, when I look at the Apple Watch and my, you know, I bought the MacBook Pro a couple months ago, the nice. 16 inch. That's right, baby. That fixed my keyboard issue. Uh, my iPhone is taking fantastic pictures. I've got the, you know, the Max, the uh, 11 Max. I mean, it's like, I don't know. What, what more do I need at this point? So I think that that's a good thing for consumers is that the software just continues to get better and it doesn't necessarily require new hardware. I mean, look at, we, we didn't even mention that by the, or maybe you mentioned it, but the iOS 14 is going to go on every phone that does 13. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, that's right. iPhones usually they drop later. a model. That's true. Right. That's true. Yep. You're right. Um, so I can't say that there's one thing that I need this, this, uh, holiday season, except, uh, maybe that cheaper Air, uh, Apple HomePod. I, I was going to say if there, I was literally going to say if there's anything that might go in, you know, you might maybe you set your sights on that HomePod and see what they do with that there. Yeah, I would. I think that the Apple Watch is going to continue to sell, and I think um, 
if they can get some battery uh, improvements in that device, I think that's a that's a big deal. Um, but I think that Apple is doing a good job. I think they're they're right where they need to be. And um, I, I'm a little concerned for Android, to be honest, because the stuff that I'm seeing come out of Apple, it's it's getting tougher and tougher. Like you gave that example before, if you've got the, you know, it used to be you wanted to pick the best of everything. I want the best laptop and I want the best phone and I want the best home stereo system. But then it, all those things don't work as well together as they do if you're going with everything from Apple. And it's not like Apple's making junk, you know what I mean? Right. No, not at all. It's not like you have to feel like you're, um, giving something up by going with this stuff. I mean, you really don't. I think the the main thing becomes cost. And that's the thing that Apple, even with the 399 iPhone, they did a really good job there too. I mean, how do you how do you compete with a 399 iPhone that gives you entree into all this stuff? And it's, it has an A13 processor in it that is current. Right. Exactly. They <laughs> could have they could have easily given last year's processor into that phone and it still would have had good reviews, but not the great reviews it got. I mean, that thing is is just what you need. Yep. I mean, everyone, you know, everyone in the tech world, it's it's really interesting how you brought that up because it has that device, and we all know it, has come up in almost every conversation I have is dude, Apple dropped a three ninety nine phone. It's gonna make any other middle tier phone make you question like why wouldn't you get an iPhone SE two now? You know? Yeah, and, and just based on the ecosystem as well. Yep. So you can get uh you know, like the TCL, the two hundred and fifty dollar TCL phone. I mean it's a great little it's, cheap yeah. phone, but I would argue that you might want to just save a little bit more and go with the 399 phone from Apple. And by the way, now you get like a, you know, the TCL had a, had an okay camera, but with the iPhone, you get like a best in class camera, you know, yeah. like things like that. I think uh, best in say, class apps. Sorry. Did you say 250? I think you meant, did you mean $450 for the TCL phone? No, no. I'm talking about the cheapy one. Oh, the, 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 the super, one. the super, the, yeah. right. Isn't isn't that one was that one too? That one that one's cheaper. Yeah. That one's cheaper. That one's cheaper. Yeah, you're yeah, right. The TCL 10L. Yeah, yeah. And then you had the high no, the higher end one for 450, I wouldn't even recommend because I can't. It's fifty dollars more than yeah, a great yeah. iPhone. Yeah, I know. That's I mean, that's crazy. a problem, right? That's what's crazy now. That's a real problem. So and then of course it just gets you to want AirPods after that, and then an iPad after that, and then uh, an Apple Watch after that, and then it just goes on and on. Well, the 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 calculation that someone had thrown out when it came out is that today, if you bought an iPhone SE two, you could get regular AirPods and an Apple Watch and be in the ecosystem for seven hundred and fifty dollars. Okay, so that's that's yeah. that's right there. You're like, okay, that's a pretty pretty strong argument to either stay in the ecosystem or jump over with all those benefits that you're getting. And I, I hate to say, but you're probably going to have, I mean, I know you're going to have a better experience than you would if you bought another flagship device for, for $800. And that's just the device. Mm. And it's, it, this is the, the predicament that Apple has put these other companies in. And by the way, a lot of that comes from controlling the chip, controlling the whole system from start to finish. And, you know, I wonder, I don't know if this is Apple's way of doing it, but what if they built in the cost? The fact is that they're manufacturing these chips, they're developing their own. That's all done in house, and they're not having to pay margins on someone else's chip. I mean, even if it meant that phones were fifty dollars cheaper than right. they are right now, right. that's a big difference. And then if they start, they started it with the iPhone SE two. If you're telling me now that you're getting everything that Apple does and a value proposition as well, oh, 
These companies and should be worried. Specifically with that, uh, the iPhone SE 2, they almost everything was a part that they already had. So yep. you had Touch ID, which sat on a shelf for a couple of years, and it's like, oh, we can use this again. They didn't have to pay anything extra to nope. figure that out. Uh, the shell of the phone is pretty much identical <laughs> to the the 8, I believe. Yep. Um, they already figured out whatever, you know, the the machine driven glass or whatever they say, like all those things were figured out. I mean, just fire up these machines again. And I mean, this is, this is what's crazy. I mean, when you, and this is the other thing that kind of bugs me about the Android side of things, like just something like the pixel, right? That's supposed to be Google's answer to the iPhone. And number one, the thing is severely underpowered, right? Uh, it takes great pictures, fine. But every single year, it changes where you would not recognize it from one year to the next. Yeah. And I think that bothers people. It bothers me mm-hmm. because you want an evolution. An iPhone has evolved over the years, and it just continues to get refined. Whereas every year with the Pixel and starting with the Nexus and you know G1 before that, it's like every year it changes, like to this radical new design. And it just goes to show that Google is just all over the place. Mm-hmm when it comes to their products and you just, you wonder, it's like, well, I don't know. Google search, by the way, has not changed that much. If you look at it, the box has remained pretty much the same. (laughs) So, and that's a very successful product, Google. So maybe take a a key from that. It's good. It's a lessons to learn. The more, you know, from Rich Demiro. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I just just want to throw that out. I'll never work at Google. Clearly. (laughs) Um, they're not going to listen to this podcast. I'm going to bury it somewhere deep where there's not even the keyword Google in it so they can't find it just to look out for you, my friend. Perfect. <laughs> See you at the next event. No, <laughs> whatever that is. But Rich, this hey, is, yeah, yeah, this, yeah, that's, uh, you got to be able to speak your mind, you, you know, they and know, I, they know it, this stuff. Come on. Their employees are using iPhones. You know oh my God. Don't even get me started on that. Don't get me started on a lot of PR people that work for other Oh my gosh! I can't even believe that this. You know that you knew that happened, right? Yeah. Now Google, I will understand. To be honest, I was. I'll never forget. I was at Google and I was talking to the the PR person. I was like, "Oh, you use an iPhone, huh?" And they're like, "Well, yeah, I like my FaceTime and I like this." And but Google, I can see the argument, right? Yeah. Because they they want to work on every device and they need the iPhone. Actually, they don't want that to go away because it's a large portion of their business. But some other companies out there, when I see folks that represent them using an iPhone, when I get that blue bubble back, I'm like, "Huh." That's concerning, right? <laughs> hey, it's even, it's even, I mean, the next level is when you talk about people or celebrities who are sponsoring phones and tweeting from their iPhones. Now, see, that I understand because they're just literally, that's a money grab. You know what I mean? Like, they're just getting, it's like, oh, how much is this check from Huawei? Oh, cool. Uh, 100000 <laughs> $100, bucks. What do I got to do? One tweet? Okay, cool. <laughs> hey, uh, dust off that uh, Android so I get that uh, tweet Twitter for Android uh, thing uh, on there. But they would never think to do that, actually. No, no. Right? They would, they, no, they wouldn't. They're like, get that People money. People get on me. They're like, oh, they're like, I'll record a video for, you know, YouTube. And it, they'll get a little, click, uh, you know, let's say a, a new functionality on the iPhone. They'll get a quick glimpse of like a reflection of the phone. They're like, oh, recording this on a Samsung caught. I'm like, well, dude, uh, what do you expect me to do? Like, oh, I got to break out two iPhones just to record a video just so it like, like I'm an iPhone fanboy. Like, no, I have a Samsung. And yes, I'm using it to record the iPhone feature. Big deal. <laughs> Let it out, Rich. Let it out. This is 
This has gone beyond the podcast now. Just let it out. <laughs> this is for the Patreons. <laughs> Bone- oh, if only they heard the bonus features from before we started recording. Oh. We'll keep that. We'll keep that on the side. Um, anyways, Rich, thank you so much for coming and hanging out, talking about WWDC. Uh, was, was there anything? I know we talked about the highlights, but before you leave, was there just one really just personal favorite thing for you of, of, of everything? Um, uh, the wallpapers in CarPlay. Can't wait. Awesome. I'm really glad that that stood out for you. (laughs) No, I've already, I've got, you know, look, I, like I said, I think it's just all these little, little evolutions I think are just great. There's probably something that I can't wait for, but, um, I'm, I'm excited for all of it. And I, you know, I'm, I'm excited. The hand washing, the the salsa dancing, can't wait. (laughs) Dance tracking, Really? Oh, you know it. I'm. It's just so. It's so frustrating because it's always like, "Are you jumping jacks again?" I'm like, "No, I am salsa dancing." Or what? What are the dances they said? They named four dances. Uh, there was like hip hop. There was yeah. um Bollywood. Shoot, there was Bollywood. Um, so I think salsa was, there, was one, and there was one more. Yeah, like was it like chill? Some I can't remember yet. There were four. There were four genres. Yeah. But again, I'm I'm kind of making light of that. But if you're a dancer and that's where you get a lot of your exercise, that is like a huge new feature. Rich, I had someone call in the live stream after the announcement. And, you know, everyone calls in and says, what was their favorite thing? And someone literally called and said, before this keynote, I wanted them to track dancing. And I thought they were shitting with me. And I was they're like, no, I'm serious. I'm like, that's awesome. <laughs> to each his own. And that's the beauty of this that stuff was, yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. You know, something that we're making fun of, it's like, no, that is a huge deal. Even the hand-washing thing. I mean, you know, some people may want to wash for 20 seconds, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know? All right, Rich. Um, could you once again tell the good people where they can find and follow you and all the good stuff? After everything I've said, I don't know if I want to, <laughs> but Rich on Tech, you can find me there. Podcast is Rich on Tech. And uh, it's been a pleasure, Brian. Thank it's you always. so much for having me on. I Every time I come on this show, I imagine it'll be my last time, but you keep having me back, so I do appreciate that. <laughs> you know, I, I, to be honest with you, I go through my address book, and you're basically like, it's like tiered. It's tiered to sensational, above average, and average. And Am I next to Ulanoff? Tell me I'm next to Ulanoff. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think after today, you moved from below average to average so you're just like oh. everyone else that we talked about just an average person thank you i like being average yeah just, just good, the middle the middle just, ground just nice in the middle all right rich thanks again buddy and uh, we'll talk to you soon thanks brian okay there you go that is rich demiro of ktla always fun to have him on the show and uh you know I, I felt like instead of just breaking down every section because so many of you follow this that it was better to have an organic conversation around it and just kind of hop between different things Maybe if you guys prefer that we just kind of go down each specific announcement and talk about it, just let me know. It's it's a personal preference thing, but I enjoyed kind of this more back and forth with Rich. But again, I am open to your feedback, constructive criticism. I, I, I can take the haterade. I'm a big boy. Thanks again to our Platinum Apples at the $100 level, Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frader, Jarrett Lewis, Eric Cohen, Thank you all so much for your support. Thank you, everyone, for your support. Again, put that five-star review up in iTunes. Put Write a review. Helps the algorithm. And also, thanks again for all your support. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is the way to do it. All right, we will continue to roll through this. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be a lot more developments and things coming out during the rest of this week after WWDC. And again, WWDC, can I even say it right? Sure, I can. But again, I mean, all the products that we are going to see 
come September, October, it's gonna be a beast. And I can't wait for it. Again, I thought WWDC, I thought it was really, really, really well done this year. And we didn't have to sit through demos. We just gotta get right to all the good stuff. All right, everybody, that's gonna do it for this week. Take everybody, it's the Apple Bits XL, baby. Peace. <laughs>